We've got a real Hollywood heavyweight for you on our latest lockdown episode of Soundtracking in the shape of the brilliant Judd Apatow. Judd's a director, he's a writer, he's a producer, and he's had a hand in some of the funniest films of the last 20 years, including The 40-Year-Old Virgin, Knocked Up, Bridesmaids, and Anchorman. His TV credits include Freaks and Geeks, Crashing, and Girls. That's a pretty impressive list. Judd's latest project is The Fantastic, The King of Staten Island. Now, it's a semi-biographical take on the life of Pete Davidson, who lost his firefighter father to 9-11. Now, Pete takes the lead role, a young man who's got to get his life together after his mum starts dating a new guy who's also a firefighter like his deceased dad. And the great news is you can watch it now on home entertainment format and I would highly recommend that you do. The King of Staten Island is scored by Michael Andrews and it's with Michael's cue, The Ferry, that we begin. Judd. How are you? I'm really good, thanks very much. What about yourself? You look well. I'm doing well. I'm keeping it together. We've got to just crack on and do what we do. Gotta keep my head on a swivel. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, congratulations on uh, on The King of Staten Island. I thought it was a fantastic film. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, we're very proud of it. We're excited to get it out there. I like when you're able to watch a film without any kind of great knowledge about it you know what I mean in terms of I, I obviously know your work I'm a fan of Pete's work but in terms of the context of the story I deliberately didn't want to know anything kind of going into it and yeah. I think that that made it even more powerful when you know you get to the end and you you're kind of faced with the personal connection obviously that that yeah. he has with the story and it god it broke me I was in bits for for yeah. quite a while after that well, um, me too. <laughs> I, I, yeah I, I, Reassembling myself as we speak. I guess there was there was quite a lot of collaboration through this whole process with him in terms of, or, or was there, in, in terms of, you know, making sure that you got this story right because it has such a personal connection to him. I mean, it felt very similar to other experiences I've had when I worked with Amy Schumer on Trainwreck. You know, she's not a, you know, a writer for a glitzy magazine, <laughs> but yet she is talking about herself and her feelings about relationships and her family. So it's, you know, it's partially fictional, part, partially true. Girls was like that with Lena Dunham. Tons of it was drawn from her life, but tons of it completely wasn't. And with the Gary uh, Shandling experience on the Larry Sanders show, you know, he wrote a show where he was like a Johnny Carson type figure, but in reality, he rejected all those offers and he wanted to make a show uh, that satirized and and talked about the types of people who are drawn to that kind of work. So I always think a fictional world allows you to tell a very uh, clear, emotionally truthful story. It's awesome in this. I mean, I think that I'm so excited for what's to come from him as a as a performer in, in feature film. You know, I think yeah. that this is an exciting 
sort of, you know, diving board, really, I think, for him for this side of things. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's a great actor. I think that he's really born to do this kind of work. He was very comfortable. It wasn't hard to get him there. As soon as we explained like the tone and the vibe, he knew exactly what we were, we were trying to do. A lot of it is improvised in rehearsals. And he's certainly very brave to reveal himself and allow himself to be that vulnerable on camera. There are scenes where he's very upset. There's this one scene where he's yelling at these firefighters saying he doesn't think firefighters should have kids because their jobs yeah. are too dangerous. And he just went there and he went to a really dark, place and and for hours yelled at Steve Buscemi and Bill Burr and all these firefighters and they were thrown I mean it, I'm sure it didn't feel like acting it felt like they were really living it with him am I right in thinking as well that a, a lot of the firefighters were were real firefighters and one of them was yeah. in fact his one of his dad's best friends yes uh, John Sorrentino uh, one of the firefighters was a consultant on the movie and we made him one of the actors in all the scenes in the in the firehouse. We also had Steve Buscemi there who was a firefighter for four years in Little Italy in New York before his acting career took off. And he stayed very close to the community after 9-11. He went down to ground zero and helped with the cleanup and he runs a charity uh, that helps uh, uh, the families of fallen firefighters. And then we, we had all sorts of... Uh, people, uh, you know, consulting. Another mm -hmm. three of the people who were in all the firehouse scenes were also current firefighters. They would come from their firefighting jobs to go act with us. No, that's amazing. <laughs> Love that. I kind of hobby they've got on the side. Yes. Um, music plays a, a, a beautiful part in this film, both in terms of Michael Andrews' score, but also in terms of the contemporary choices that you have. There's almost kind of two worlds there, worlds there as well. There's a mm -hmm. kind of there's a sort of urban tone and then there's also kind of a real kind of guitar, you know, a bit more kind of rock side to things as well. Yes. And I wanted just to talk to you about the kind of choices, both in terms of that side of things, but also work with, with Michael Andrews as well, who, did he do Bridesmaids? Did he work on as well? He did. He did the score for Bridesmaids, which is yes. great. Bridesmaids. He did uh, Funny People with Jason Schwartzman. He he also worked on Freaks and Geeks. Amazing. With the music choices, was was that a collaborative thing? With, with did Pete get involved in that side of things, or or is that all I, you? Oh, I think it's a mainly Pete. I mean, I asked Pete to make me playlists of his favorite songs because I just thought, well, this movie should just sound like Pete. It's not my taste. It's exactly <laughs> what he likes. You know, one of his favorite artists and one of his best friends is Kid Cudi. And as a young person, he said that Kid Cudi's songs, which often talked about his mental health struggles, were very helpful to him in not feeling alone uh, in his life for the struggles he was happening. So we start the movie with Just What I Am. I'm just what you may got. Not many I trust. I'ma go my own way, God. Take my fate to wherever you want. I'm out here. Oh, my son. Won't stop till I get me some. Club hopping, trying to get me some. Bad when to get me sprung. Early in the morning. 
ain't no such thing as Satan. Evil is what you make it. Thank the Lord for that burning bush. That big body beans I was born to push. On my way, I'm burning. Don't be worried about us. Neighbors knocking on the door. Asking, can we turn it down? I say, ain't no music on. She said, no, that w- is loud. We ballin', straight swaggin', lost heart, but I'm maintainin'. I've been told that I'm amazing. Make sure I keep that fire blazing, we livin'. I need And we end the movie with Pursuit of Happiness. And it's it's just great bookends. But also, we talked to Mike Andrews about being influenced by the sound of the music in his in his tracks as a guide for the vibe of the school. Tell me what you know about dreaming, dreaming. You don't really know about nothing, nothing. Tell me what you know about the night. Terrors every night, 5 a.m. Ghost sweats waking up to the sky. connected with uh, several music producers who create beats for rap artists and and collaborated on some of the sounds. And then you've got that Creedence Clearwater track in there as well. Well, Creedence was uh, one of his dad's favorite bands. So from the very beginning, Pete says you have to have a, a Creedence Clearwater revival song. Early in the evening, just about supper time. Over by the courthouse, they're starting to unwind. Four kids on the corner, trying to bring you up. Willie picks a tune out, and he blows it on the hum. Down on the corner. And the most featured song in the movie is One Headlight by the Wallflowers. And when Pete was a kid, he said that you know, his parents got divorced and he, when he would drive 
you know, with his dad, that that was the biggest song on the radio at that time. And so that was like their song. And when Leslie and I drove to the supermarket to buy pregnancy tests uh, before we had Maud, that was a song we heard. So that's always been a very meaningful song to oh, us. Wow. So when we realized it, we were like, oh, that's the perfect song. And then what when amazing we, synergy. Yeah, then when you know, there's a scene where all the firemen are singing it in a bar and they're all drunk, and then I believe it was Bill Burr who said, oh, you have to have it that they don't know any of the words to the verses and they all jump in every chorus and they just mumble during the verses and it, it was so funny. <laughs> genius use as well of um of a, a mobile phone ring going off with salt and pepper at the most yes. awkward of times as well uh, yes yes you don't <laughs> want to be committing a robbery and have you, your ringer going off all the time it's so great though it's so funny um that's the great thing you know and i can't i can't imagine how it how easy or how difficult it is actually to get that tone right for for this particular film you know in terms of you know, the issues that you're talking about, but there are some beautiful and brilliant comedic moments in, in here. Is that getting that tone right? Is that, I guess that's a re- such an important part of it. Yes. And it takes us a long time to figure that out. A lot of it is from table reads and rehearsals and auditions. And we just slowly start absorbing what feels right for this story. How funny should it be? How heavy should it be? You know, we watch is Pete funny? Why, why are we laughing at him? Is he a funny guy because he's witty? Is it character driven? Is it because he's acting bratty? Like, what is the joke of him? And, uh, and then in editing, we have to go through all those improvisations. And, and sometimes the, there'll be a scene and we think this scene would be way better if we cut all the jokes. Or this scene has eight jokes, but I think I should just have one at the end. If not, it feels really fake. And many of those decisions happened in post. When you, you know, when you were talking there about kind of the music choices and they had to come from Pete and stuff, is that the case for you when you are working across films so collaboratively with your, you know, whether it be your your stars or your writers, you know, you talk about Amy with with uh, with Trainwreck and, and Lena with, with Girls and Things, is music is something that you talk to people about across most of the productions that you work on, whether you're a writer, producer or, or directing? I mean, it's always been, you know, one of my favorite parts of the process. My grandfather was a producer and he started record companies 
in the late forties, he, he had his own label in the, in the seventies and was a head of A&R for Mercury records and Emerson records in the sixties and uh, the fifties. He, he worked with Quincy Jones on all the Dinah Washington albums. He produced the first Janis Joplin record and did Sarah Vaughn, people like that. But he also did Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie and, you know, an enormous amount of, uh, of the legendary blues and jazz artists. Uh, and so I, I always thought, you know, you have to be like him. He was kind of a hustler. He was just like a kid who loved jazz and he would just work and raise enough money to hire jazz musicians to play a song and he'd record it and then he would make the records himself and, and then he would go to record stores and ask them to sell them and that's how the music business started. Uh, um, so in my comedy career, I always thought about him. Uh, I thought, oh, I guess you just do it yourself. You just make your own career. And uh, and so anytime there's, you know, a musical element, I'm very excited. I feel very connected to him. And then at the end of the movie, the second song uh, during the credits uh, is, is something that he produced. It's this uh, woman named Alice Clark. And it's called um, uh, Never Did I Stop Loving You. This was an album made in 1970 or like the early 70s. It was a soul album. They used most of Aretha Franklin's band and they recorded it in a day or two and it didn't sell and she went into retirement and never did anything ever again. And then about 20 years later in England, it was rediscovered and considered one of the great soul albums of all time. People should, should look it up on their iTunes. It's Alice Clark. And it's, it's, it's pretty great. It's a way of me remembering my grandfather. That's a beautiful story. Uh, one of the great things about how we have access to music and film now in that kind of, you know, at the end of a button sort of thing is you can mention something from the 70s that, yeah. you know, we prob- you probably wouldn't be able to get a hold of. But now we know we can just kind of, you know, search something up and, and yes. it's there for us to experience. It's, that's a wonderful thing about the way that technology allows us to kind of, you know, dive into these wonderful worlds. Um, can I ask you quickly before we do finish and run out of time, just with, when it comes to working with composers, you know, and you've worked with a number of composers across um, your, your films and, and working in TV as well, what is behind the decisions that you make on who you work with and who's the right person for, for you know, a specific job? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've primarily worked with uh, with three or four people. Lyle Workman, who also uh, did Super Bad, uh, as well as Love and and Crashing, is an amazing composer. You know, he was in Beck's band. He was a lead guitar for Beck, and in a lot of the great Frank Black albums, he was the lead guitar player in some of those early solo albums. He is just the best guy and, and does a remarkable job.
Joey Santiago from the Pixies scored undeclared our TV show and we had the best time with him. John Bryan scored Stepbrothers and he <laughs> uh, he is pretty remarkable. He also did funny, uh, not funny people, he did This Is 40 with us. love every anytime we can get him uh, to to collaborate with us and then michael penn who, who did a lot of work with paul thomas anderson scored girls an honor to hear his beautiful music every week as it came in on all yeah. these episodes. I, I love it. I love being in those conversations. I can't play music at all. I try, but I, <laughs> I, I love bugging the composer. <laughs> Were you behind the, the choice of the, the, the Joan Jet track for the for Freaks and Geeks? Was I was. That... I was, I have to yes. say. I was, uh, I was handed a <laughs> list of songs uh, that were to be considered for the show and one of the one of the the uh, lists of songs had that on it. Amanda Demi was our music supervisor when we were doing the pilot, and then they put it in Shrek, and I was so mad. I'm like, "That's our song. Don't make it the Shrek song." <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, what's wonderful is that you 
you very much seem to be um, a, a, a wonderful inspiration to people in terms of you, you cite, you know, Larry Sanders is a mentor for you in terms of, you know, what, working with him. And it feels like you're almost repaying that favor with people that you you work with and how you encourage them through their work, be it with Lena or, or Amy. And, and it seems the same with Pete. Yes, I, I like working with people when they're just starting out and they have great stories to tell and they haven't burnt themselves out or used up their creative chi. There, there is a moment. It's like why a lot of bands, you know, are best in the fa- the be- in the first three albums. And you're not sure why, but they're just filled with piss and vinegar. They have a lot to say. They're all worked up, and you you want to be around for that explosion. Uh, yeah. And, and that's really fun for me to collaborate that, with them and try to help them figure out how they can be leads, how they can write, how to how to learn how to be a storyteller in addition to an actor or an actress. I got to uh, completely geek out with Glenn Ballard the other day, and oh, wow. uh, we we were talking about um, uh, the Wilson Phillips track "Hold On." Of course, it's yes. brilliantly in Bridesmaids. Yes, so uh, it was great to chat to him about uh, about you know his his work in the film world as well, which is a nice full circle to talking to you today. With did with he write that song? Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's a, yeah. that's a, that's a great moment. He 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 saved us with that great song. We were debating <laughs> between that song. And uh, a Belinda Carlisle song. Blue Heaven is a Place on Earth? Yes. Or, you know, one of those. I think that might have been it. Uh, and, and, you know, I would play them for, for my wife, Leslie, and go, like, which one, which one? And she's like, it's hold on. What are you talking about? <laughs> I know this pain. I know this pain. Why do you lock yourself up in these chains? Pleasure to chat to you. Congratulations again on the film. It is it's brilliant, and I think a really important film for a lot of people are going to, you know, not just laugh and be entertained by the film, but find a, a lot of a voice in there for them as well. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Be well.
From the score to the King of Staten Island, that's Ray and Harold by Michael Andrews, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with the wonderful Judd Apatow. My huge thanks to Judd for taking the time to talk to us. And you can watch The King of Staten Island from the comfort of your home right now with Michael's score available via Backlot Music across a host of platforms. Now, we'll also put our usual Spotify playlist up for the show at edithbowman.com, which is where you can hear every track that we've played in small snippets throughout the show in its entirety in the order that we play it. My website is also the place to subscribe and catch up with all of our previous episodes. We would love it if you could follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. And please do have a look at a little weekly show that I put together, which you can find on our YouTube channel. I'm not going to tell you who's on this week's show. You'll just have to tune in to find out. Maybe that's because I've not edited it yet. Uh, I'll be back next week on this show with another deep dive into the world of film music. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. In the meantime, stay safe. Stay safe.